this morning we're going to be looking uh, at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to read uh, chapter 8, verses 1 down through 13. There are two stories uh, in this passage. We're going to really focus on the second one, but I felt like the first one uh, kind of leads into that, that second and kind of gives us a little bit more context. And so I wanted to, uh, to start there because uh, it's, just, it's just a few verses long. So Matthew chapter 8, we will uh, read verses 1 down through 13. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed in terrible agony. He said to him, am I to come and heal him? Lord, the centurion replied, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say this Sorry, I say this one, I say to this one, go, and he goes to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from east and west to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the utter dark, outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So we, we have these, these two stories, and if you've been kind of following along, we've been on this series, and the series has been influenced by 1 Peter chapter 5, of what does it mean to be a shepherd? And we have looked at these uh, passages, and so if you, if you have your Bibles, they'll be up on the screen, just a couple of verses uh, that we have been going through in this passage. Uh, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then verse 7, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Now, this verse is one that we have uh, already talked about once. A few weeks ago, we talked about prayer and how casting all your cares on him. Uh, we talked about how, how prayer is a piece of that, but I think prayer is just part of that. Casting all your care, all of your cares. How do we cast all of our cares on him? And I think this story of the centurion and the centurion's faith will help kind of guide us along what does that mean to cast all your cares on him. In this passage, the, the verse we're going to look at multiple times is, is verse 8. He says in this, uh, these just simple little words, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But here's the statement. But just say the word. 
Now, this story is a story that, that some of us kind of know, and we kind of have to ask the question, okay, Pastor, if you're talking about casting all your cares on him, how do we cast all of our cares on him? We look at this story, and we see the story of a centurion. And in the story, there is this young boy who was sick and paralyzed. Now, some of uh, your Bibles might translate this as his son. Some might translate it as a young boy. Uh, the word here in Greek could be translated as boy. It could be translated as son. It could be translated as servant. And so all of those translations are fine. But uh, what we kind of, if we go over and look at Luke's version, Luke uses the Greek word doulos, which is slave. And so most translations will translate the Matthew version, will take the servant, the servant translation. So most of your Bibles probably say servant. But he has this relationship with this, this young man. He's paralyzed, he's sick. And so this, uh, this story kind of begins to ask the question, and he just says to him, just say the word. Just say the word, and what you say will happen. What you say is going to happen. Now, let's kind of pause here. I want to, I want to talk about three, uh, three words that are really kind of really important to all of this. The three words are knowledge, faith, and hope. Okay, so if we jump down to verse 10, you can read the, the words that Jesus says back to the man. I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a what? A faith. I haven't found anyone so great a faith. And as I, I looked at this passage this week, I kind of came back to the question, how do we get from over here where he says, you're not worthy to come under my roof, just, just say the word, just say the word. And then Jesus kind of translates that into saying, I haven't seen anyone with so great a faith. These words, faith, hope, and knowledge, are words that we know, but I want you this morning to think of them kind of in a new context. To begin thinking of them in a little bit of a different way. That knowledge, faith, and hope, when we look at them kind of theologically, there's some other things I want you to see here. That when we talk about knowledge, we're also talking about our past. All right, we're gonna, I've been trying to think all weekend of how I'm gonna do this. James, would you, would you grab one of those chairs? Owen, would you grab the other one? The ones on the front, I separated them so we can. James, if you just put that in the middle. All right, I hope this is gonna work. We're gonna find out. All right, thanks guys. Actually, we're gonna, I'm gonna keep them kind of separate so we can tell them. All right, there we go, perfect. Now, would y'all sit up? No, just kidding. Okay. All right, so this is one of those things that works in my head, but I don't know if it's going to work in a sermon, so we're about to find out. All right, so this middle chair represents what? The present, all right? And if y'all are looking over here, it's the past. Got to make sure I get these right. All right. We're going to conjugate verbs here in just a moment. That was a joke. So, okay. Some of you are like, what are conjugating verbs? All right. Here we have three, three, three statements. The past, the present, and the future. Where are we living right now? The present, okay? That wasn't a trick question. We're living in the present. So in this story, we have the story where in verse 8, if we go back to verse 8, Lord, the centurion said, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say the word. Why in the world would the centurion say that? The centurion was living in what? The present. We all live in the present, by the way. He was living in the present. 
But what he said in the present was based on what? His knowledge of the past. Somewhere this man heard stories and knew because of what Jesus had done in the past, he could do something in the present that would affect what? The future. Somehow, Jesus could say the word right here in the present and change the outcome, change the future of this young man who was sick and paralyzed. And because this man believed what Jesus had done in the past, it shaped his present and it changed his future. You with me? Does that make sense? And so what is going on here in this, this great little story, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say the word because I believe in what has happened. I believe these stories that I have been told. And it has changed the way I understand the past and it changes my knowledge. And because of that, I have faith. And Jesus says, I, I haven't seen somebody with this much faith. Because guys, what I want you to see this is because sometimes when we talk about faith, we think, well, you know, pastor, faith is uh, belief in things unseen or, you know, and, and so faith is just something that just kind of miraculously happens in our lives. And there's some truth to that. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But our faith, the way we live faith in the present, doesn't just miraculously come out of nowhere. It comes from knowledge. It comes from the knowledge of the past. It comes from the things that God has done in the past. And when we read 1 Peter and Peter says to us, guys, I want you to cast all your cares on him. Where do those cares live? In the future. And if we are going to cast our cares of the future, of what's going to happen in the future on Jesus, it starts with us having a faith in the present, but that faith is informed by the past. Is it working? Are y'all with me? Okay, because this worked in my head. I don't know if it's working here. All right, three of you, it works for us. Good. All right, three out of whatever, we're good. All right, so, so this is kind of the, the story that we see here. Now, the past, I've got up here. Past is about knowledge. The present is about faith. The future is about what? Hope. So let's talk about, because today's sermon, it's about hope. So let's talk about hope for a little bit. The problem with hope is there are different kinds of hope. One of the hopes that we have is, uh, so the other night, Friday night, Gardendale had their first football game up in Huntsville, and we had the children, or we had the uh, district swim party. All day, we kept checking the weather because we hoped it wouldn't rain, okay? We hoped, we hoped for the future. We took our knowledge, from James Spann, all right? Our knowledge of the past, James Spann is as accurate as a weatherman can be, okay? He's not 100%, but who can be other than God? So he's got a pretty good track record. We take our past. In the present, we see a look up in the sky, all right? Is it gonna rain, is it not? It's for, apparently it's August in Alabama, it could rain any second. That's our present and our future hope is, is that it doesn't rain. Okay, do y'all see how that works? Now, the problem is, is that that's a natural hope. Okay, I, I can't do anything to control the outcome. As much as I hope it doesn't rain during a football game or during a pool party, it still could rain. I can't control that. 
So a natural hope is a desire for the future to go as, as, as we want it to go, as we had hoped. We don't have any control over it. Now, the reason I bring this up is, is that most of us, this is what we think hope is, is natural hope. And this kind of creeps into our lives in two different ways. And I want, I want you to understand, one of these, you're going to be like, oh, pastor, I got no problem with that. The second one, we'll see how, we, we'll see how that one goes. But the first one, this is what happens. All right, are you all ready? The first way that natural hope lives in our lives, we're in the present and our favorite football team is playing. And so we say, I want my football team to win in the future. But the last time they won, I was wearing my hat backwards. So today I need to do what? Wear my hat backwards in the hopes that they win the game. Okay, we call this superstition. It has no basis in faith. It has no basis in God. It's just plain old made up silliness. Okay, did I offend anybody there? It, it's, just, it's just silliness. The way you wear what socks you wear at a ball game, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. This year, uh, some of y'all know my best friend Jeremy, his parents have season tickets to the Titans. And so usually if it's like a Monday night game or a Thursday night game, then they'll usually say, give Jeremy the tickets. Like, hey, invite John to go with you because most games are on Sundays at noon. That doesn't work for me. And so last January, the Titans were in the playoffs at like two o'clock on a Saturday. So it's like perfect, enough time to drive up there that morning, go to the game, enough time to come home. Titans had a good game. Jeremy and I were there. We left disappointed because we got beat. A few months later, we're in Nashville for my niece, Eva, for her graduation. And Jeremy calls me and Jeremy said, I just scored two tickets to the Predators playoff game Saturday afternoon between Trevecca's graduation and my niece Eva's graduation. Do you wanna go? Absolutely, free tickets to the Predator, sure. Jeremy and I go to that game, guess what? We lost. And Jeremy and I are walking out of Bridgestone Arena, walking down Broadway in downtown Nashville, and I turned to Jeremy and said, I don't know if you know this, but my record for the 2022 calendar year for playoff games in Nashville is 0-2. And Jeremy said, well, that's the last time I invite you to a playoff game. And I said, whoa, Jeremy, to be fair, you were at the same games. So how do we not know you're the problem? Okay, that, what is that? It's, it's silliness, okay? We had no outcome. Jeremy and I's presence at a game had zero outcome on the game, all right? The Predators lost in a sweep. They lost four games in a row. Jeremy Quick and John Parrish being there had nothing to do with them getting outplayed four games in a row. Okay, it's just silliness. Past is about to fly away. So that's, that's called superstition. It's, it's silliness. The reason I say all that is for some of us think that is faith. Some of us think that is hope. It is not hope. It's us in the present trying to control the future. We can't control the future. Okay, that's the easy one. The second natural hope it's a little bit harder, is another way that natural hope creeps into our lives is legalism. It got quiet. Legalism, that's not superstition. Legalism, what do we do in legalism? Well, if I behave a certain way, if I do something in the present, then God is going to save me in the future, okay? The problem is this, guys. The Bible is very clear. 
You are saved by grace, through faith. You are not saved by keeping the rules. You're saved by grace. Now, I am not preaching against keeping the rules. I believe that God has created a better way for us to live and that part of us living in the kingdom, living in this future kingdom, is that our lives are changed in the present because of what God has done in the past. And when our lives are changed, what I'm supposed to live in my faith in the present is to point people to the God who changes lives, the God who saved me. I live differently, I live a certain way, not because I'm hoping to get points for the future, I live a certain way because God has changed my life and I want him to change your life and my neighbor's lives. Do you see the difference? Legalism tells us live a certain way and you can manipulate God into saving you later. That's not biblical. We live a certain way because of what God has done in the past. And because of what God has done in the past, he has changed my present. And because he's changing my present, he's changed my future. You see it? Did I step on anybody's toes too hard? But it's a struggle that we have. So this is natural hope. This isn't what we're talking about, but it creeps into our lives. So what are we talking about? Supernatural hope. So outside of natural hope, there is supernatural hope. What is supernatural hope? Supernatural hope is lived in the present. I got away from my example. Lived in the present as what? Faith. It's lived in the present of faith, but it is deeply rooted in the knowledge of the triune God. And because it is rooted in the knowledge of who God is and the way God acts and what God has done in the world, my future is forever changed. That is supernatural hope. That is what we're talking about. That is how we cast our cares on him. We're gonna look at kind of how that plays out in a story here in just a second. But that, that's what we're talking about. This supernatural hope is something that changes our lives. Let me find where we are in my notes. All right, so let's go through... Uh, Emily, I'm going to change it up. Let's go through some points about supernatural hope, and then we're going to come back to a story and apply these points to a story. All right? I'm throwing Emily a curveball, but the computer's working, so we're good. Supernatural hope is real hope. It is hope not in humankind, not in a sports team, not in what I can do, but it is hope in God. It rests on the resurrection of Jesus. It looks... Oh my goodness. Let's get through these points and we'll come back to these. All right. It rests on the resurrection of Jesus and looks for resurrection in the life to come. We're going to come back to that. Hope is grounded in the work of God. He defeated our two great enemies. So if we are living in the present, he has defeated our two great enemies. When? In the past, he defeated sin and death and that changes our future. You with me? All right. Next, he promised to be with us always. In the present, I can live in a hope because God has promised in the past to be with me always. And that changes my future. Even until the end of time, hope comes from living from above. And that's what we've talked about in Colossians 3. That's where hope comes from. Hope comes from growing in grace and knowledge and then lastly, I think this is my last one, hope comes from hearing God inter interacting with him in daily life. Now, 
Let's, you're saying, oh, that pastor, you just flew through those. Let's, let's read a story. Let's talk about a story where we can see this play out. Okay, Acts chapter 24, if you, uh, if you want to turn there, in that story, Paul has gotten himself in trouble, all right? Paul likes to get himself in trouble. He has gotten himself into trouble, and so he is standing before the court. He is living in what? The present. He is in trouble because of what he has done in the past. He is in court, and this is what they say, verse 5. For we have found this man, Paul to be, this is not nice, we have found him to be a plague. We have found him to be a plague, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the Roman world, and a ringleader of the sect of Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the the temple, and so we apprehended him by examining him yourself. You will be able to discern the truth about these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews also joined in the attack, alleging that these things were true. So, what's going on? Paul is standing before the court because of things that he has done in the past. And they are determining what? His future. So Paul gets an opportunity and says, all right, guys, let me tell you. I'm going to explain to y'all what's going on here. And so Paul stands before them and Paul says to them, this is the part of the example that didn't work. Paul stands before them just a few verses later and this is what Paul says. Let's jump down. Verse 14, Paul says, but I admit this to you. He he kind of, if you read the passage, he goes through and he says, what they're saying, it's it's not all true. So Paul says, but this this is what I'll admit to you. I worship the God of my ancestors. I I worship the God of, that made promises to my ancestors. The God I worship, the faith I have is based on the past. According to the way which they all, which they call a sect, believing that everything is in accordance with the law and is written in the prophets. Verse 15, but I, here it is. I have hope. What, what, what does Paul have hope in? God. Why in the world would Paul have hope in God? He has been in prison, and if you read the rest of the story, let me just tell you something about the book of Acts. If you want to read Acts and you think, you know, I'm going through a hard time, I'm going to read the book of Acts because the book of Acts just shows us that when, God, when people follow God, all of their problems are handled. Okay, if, if you read the rest of the story, at the very rest, the, the rest of this story, Verse 27, it's not up on the screen. Verse 27 says, after two years have passed, they just left Paul in prison for two years, let the leadership change before they dealt with this. That's not deliverance in my book. But Paul, Paul says, I have hope in God, which these men also accept. Why in the world would he have hope in God? For one reason, one reason that there will be, what? Resurrection. That Paul's present, his faith is shaped by a past, and a past of a story of resurrection, a past of a story that sin was defeated on the cross, that death was defeated on the cross. 
And the only thing that matters in Paul's life is the fact that the tomb was empty that Sunday morning. And it changes everything about his present. And now his future. The, air, the AC wants to see how many times I can take these signs down. Let's try this. The future. The future is about what? Resurrection. His past is about resurrection. His present is about resurrection. His future is about what? Resurrection. Resurrection. His entire life is focused on one thing, resurrection, because there is life at the end of this life, that there is something more than what we see, and Paul's entire life has been changed. Now, let's do one more example, and this example is us. We started this series talking about lies of the devil, so let's just talk just for a moment about those lies. And let's use, just to make it a little more comfortable, I won't use one of you, let's use Paul again. But you could kind of take Paul out of the story and insert you. So in the present, in the present, Paul could be standing there, and I have a feeling that some point in that jail cell, there was a conversation that went on with Paul. Or voices that were said to Paul that said, buddy, you're, you're past. <laughs> Your past is not good. Paul, you, 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 your past, what has happened in your past, what you have done in your past cannot lead to anything good. It cannot, leave, it cannot lead to hope. It cannot lead to life. It cannot lead to resurrection. What you have done in the past cannot lead here. Do you think Paul had that conversation? And I think what Paul would have said back is, you know what, Satan, you're, you're right. You're right. The, the incredible thing is, is my past isn't my past anymore. That there was a day I was on a road that I was struck down by a light and my life was forever changed because I came face to face with God. And my present was changed because my past has forever been changed God. And because of my past being changed by God, my past isn't about the mistakes I made. My past isn't about the things that I have done that is wrong. My past is about resurrection. It's about life. And I can stand today in faith and I can live in a hope because my past has been replaced with a future. And that future is a future of life. That future is a future of resurrection. And I can change the way I live today because my past has forever been changed. And one of the biggest lies that we hear from the devil is your past can't be changed. That is not true that we have faith, that we live today in a hope of a future because there was an empty tomb on a Sunday. And we celebrate that empty tomb. We live as resurrection people, knowing that the day will come when the trumpet will sound. When Christ returns, I don't know how it looks. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but I know who's going to do it. And the promises of the past 
change my future because I know the God who lives in the past, who gave me the knowledge and the promises of what he has done is the God who shapes my future. And guys, this morning, sometimes I think for some of us, we get so caught up in the present that we miss what's going on and what God wants to do in your future. For some of you, you live in that world where you say, you know what, pastor, the devil's right, that what has happened in my past can't change my future. That is not true. That my future is forever changed because of what God has done. That my future is forever changed because of the hope that God has given me. That my future, my future is forever changed because of resurrection. Last week, we talked about humility, and I said to you, humility is based on our origin. It's based on the knowledge of where we came from. Hope? Hope is based on the knowledge of where we're going. Do you hear it? Humility is based on the knowledge of where we came from. Hope is based on the knowledge of where we're going. I don't know what it all looks like, but I know the God who set it in motion, and I trust that his word is true, and it changes my life today. And the same God that changes my life today is a God who wants to change your life today. To give you a hope, to give you a life, to remind us that there is a God who is working, no matter what that past is, there is a God who wants to bring you faith and life today, and a hope for the future. And this morning, as we close, that's my prayer for us. My prayer that there are some of you who have bought into that lie of the devil, bought into the fact that you don't believe the devil could do, or that God could do anything with your life because of a past. It's not true. There's some of us in the room that say, Pastor, I I know that God has forgiven my sins. I know that God has done all of that. I have faith today, but Pastor, I can't trust the future. I can't hope in what God is doing because have you turned on the news? Have you turned on the TV? It's a disaster. Maybe that's what we need to pray about today. To be reminded of what God has done in the past. To give us a hope for the future, to know that God is still working, that God still is alive, that somehow God still makes this all work. Maybe for some of us, we just need to come and confess that. God, come and work today. Give me faith today and a hope for the future of what you are doing. Supernatural hope is real hope. It's hope for a future. It's not a hope in humankind, it's a hope in God, and it rests on one fact, resurrection. God says he's going to bring life, and this is a God who does bring life. As we close today, some of you might need a pastor to pray with. Pastor James would love to pray with you right down here, whether you're someone who says, this past, I can't get past it. God can't use me. God can't work in my life. We don't believe that. That's not the way that God works. One of my favorite stories I heard in somebody else's sermon, I've told y'all before, I love it. I heard a pastor one time say, 
if anybody tells me that God can't work in their life because of all the bad things they've done, he said, I always respond and say, you've never been as bad as Paul. Because unless God has come down personally to tell you to cut it out, you're not as bad as Paul. And look what God did through Paul. And Paul would say, I'm the chief of all sinners. But Paul gives us those incredible words and acts. I have a hope in God that there will be a resurrection. Your past can change your future. And your future is in hope and resurrection. If you want to come and be anointed for healing, I'd love to pray with you. Or if you just need to come and find a spot at the altar just to pray. To say, I'm overwhelmed by the future. I'm I'm overwhelmed by where the world is going. And I need to be reminded that my future is not dictated by humankind. But it's dictated by God who raises the dead. To just come and give it back to God. Just to invite you to come as we sing. Let us stand.